arising from the dead with the unibrow and a Fu Manchu. It's White Zombie. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Unibrow was gnarly. It is gnarly and <laughs> narrow. Gnarly and narrow, Alex. It is pretty impressive, I gotta and say. it has, like, horns. That unibrow has horns. It does. It does. And it's even got, like, a bit of a swirl in the middle, which is, oh, like, man. really It's got a swirl in the middle and horns on the outside. It is mm. devilish. What a, le- what a legend. What a legend. <laughs> what a legend. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs> Lagusi on the Lucy is what yeah. we like to say. Yeah, no makeup effects were used. All of his facial hair was natural. No, oh, that that unibrow know. was certainly on the Lucy. <laughs> Actually, I have no idea. I don't know if that was true. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airways, where two friends try to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies. This week, as we stay alive, we're discussing White Zombie. With me today is the zombie. Uh, are you are you a zombie master, Alex? Is that Ooh. what we can call Bella Lugosi? I'm not sure. Zombie master, Alex, Mas- master of the zombies, master of puppets. A little Metallica reference there. Yeah, that's me. Um, and then we joined by that beautiful haired, bright eyed. I guess once bright eyed. Madeline Short <laughs> in a zombie <laughs> state. <laughs> I love that. That image is really cool. Of uh, that, like close up of her yes. with the blank stare. It's a really interesting image. <laughs> I don't know. That one stands out to me uh, very much. So, but Alex, this is a monumental episode in some ways for us. Not, no special number or anything. This is just episode 179. But uh, <laughs> this is the start of our next series. We Ooh. just finished our tokusatsu series, mini-series, I should say. Oh, yeah? And now we are moving into a new series inspired by our friend and executive producer, John Freeman. Uh, this is our Zombies Through the Decades yeah, series. Yeah. We, we, we had a couple executive uh, producers recommend this one, but... I got to say, John Freeman, he crafted up this little document for us, complete yes. with pictures and like just a vast amount of information. I mean, this man, let's just give him his due. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we give him his yeah. due? He, we will. We will. He, he's a wizard. <laughs> he is. A he, wizard. He's a lot like Bill Lugosi in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we are the puppets. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He might be just as evil as him, too, but... But there's also a little bit of charm there. <laughs> um, I will say, yeah, we will have him on soon on MVM Plus to chat about this series because he did give us several films to choose from. I'm not sure if we'll get through all of these films. He gave us about 20. I think our original intent in the, the Zombies Through the Decades was to choose a zombie film and literally go through decade by decade one zombie film for 
per decade. But when you do that, Alex, you do run into some issues of missing out on some pretty monumental zombie films. Even with the 20 zombie films that he has listed, you still had some that you couldn't believe didn't make the list. I know. So we'll have to talk about that soon. Yeah, yeah. And and it's not to put down the list because it's phenomenal. It's just you you realize how many good ones there are. And actually, Mm. it's how many are part of a just a couple movie series that mm-hmm. you're skipping too. So yeah, it's uh it's it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it's a great. It's a good list. Yeah. A diverse list. I I like it. We will reveal more as the series continues. Uh but for today, we have White Zombie. Another reason I'm excited about this series though, I'll say uh, before we get into the film introduction is I think we're going to get a little bit of everything here. Um in this series, because we are going through the decades and through these different time periods, we're going to get some films that feel more like our universal series. Um, we'll get eventually get to some films that also feel more Hollywood and more modern. So it's going to be an interesting series as we explore the evolution of zombies through the decades. Yeah. Yeah. It is going to be interesting. It is going to be, uh, I can't wait to see the evolution. And and also Eric, I know you're excited for this episode because of how big of a white zombie fan you are of the, uh, uh the actual band. Oh, uh, huge white zombie. Big metal fan, head man. over here. Yeah. Huge metal head over here. <laughs> <laughs> I know we have a couple metalhead listeners. We so do. You can tell us how how much we should love white zombie but no i i haven't listened to much white zombie in reality alex most people have only heard probably more human than human that's that's probably the go-to but yeah and there are a few more human than humans in this movie alex so shall we begin uh wait we have more more humans than humans or there's a lot of less human than humans maybe it's less you're right (laughs) Unless, unless being a zombie is an elevated state of being, of course. Maybe. Maybe they do. <laughs> <laughs> there is a resurrection component. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> One year after Dracula, Bela Lugosi stars in a similar role in 1932's White Zombie, directed by Victor Halperin. Considered the first feature-length zombie film and shot on the Universal lot, it shares a lot of similar sets and characteristics, I would say, with some of the early films in our Universal series. Critics at the time apparently thought the film's plot was over the top. But to start our zombie series, Alex, does over the top make you want to stop already? Ooh, oh, certainly not. Certainly not. And by today's standards, I don't know if this would be considered over the top. So we're also having to look <laughs> at it through that kind of lens, dude. This is... a. Uh, pretty tame but through today's lens now if you do compare it to something like our universal monster series eric Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i would say maybe this is a little over the top compared to that yeah uh i'm a little surprised that i haven't heard about this movie uh because there's some imagery in here that i am certain i have seen before whether it's the shot of the eyes fading uh, while that carriage comes, I'm pretty sure we saw something like that in the Universal Monster series for sure. Yeah. Um, or some of these like talking head type shots of Madeline, where she's just sitting there, and that imagery with her in that makeup with that blank mm-hmm. stare, I have seen that. Oh yeah. Before so. It's clear that some of this stuff is iconic, and I just maybe wasn't aware of it. 
but I don't feel like a lot of people have seen this movie, but we, I, I think I can recommend this one to a lot of people. I think it's a really interesting historical starting point for zombie movies. Plus, I mean, we've got Bella, Dracula, Lagusi <laughs> here, um, who feels like Dracula, but mm-hmm. is a much more interesting character this time around. Mm-hmm. This film was surprisingly... It had some surprising layers for me, though. And and I am excited to talk about this very pleasant surprise with you this evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to tell you, Alex, I'm right with you. This was absolutely a pleasant viewing experience. In fact, to my modern sensibilities, its perceived flaws of its own critics who said it was over the top probably played to my favor. I, I couldn't believe the pacing of this film. Compared to some of the other Universal films, including Dracula itself, this film moves at a pace that feels familiar to a modern audience. It has a fully-fledged arc that kept me engaged throughout. throughout. Add to that some amazing sets, unforgettable characters, some innovative cinematography, and I think we have a real treat on our hands. Mm, Yeah, you're not kidding. And And it doesn't stop there, Eric. I, I will go ahead and say this about the characters. There are some real standouts here. And there are wastes, of course, as you would expect from a film around this time period. I don't think any Universal monster movie got away unscathed without completely wasting one of its primary characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's always some sort of main character that just just doesn't quite hit it. And the, 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 in this case, it's Neil Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the husband, the, the romantic interest of Madeline. The, the character feels he's certainly necessary, but the execution in the script, not his acting, mm-hmm. is kind of absurd. One moment he's drunk, the next he's sober talking to a doctor or to a priest to pursue his love, the next he's drunk on the beach and passing out right inside the castle within feet. Yeah of the person he's looking for it it, it's really nonsense and it only exists for narrative reasons and they're very weak narrative reasons making this the weakest link in the film because i have got to say the rest of the execution and performances of these characters is quite exceptional i found myself strangely invested in charles beaumont (laughs) a villain yeah of sorts, he's definitely a villain. He's a villain. But yeah. by no means our main villain. No. Uh-uh. And then we get Madeline, who is interesting, but she is mostly dazed throughout this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but but she does so exceptionally. And that's not a not that's not to I'm not like trying to leg sweep her on that <laughs> on that claim. No, no. I'm saying she does a remarkable job with that blank stare, and it mm. really makes you feel something to see her kind of dead inside. Yeah, uh, and then there's the awesome Bella mm-hmm. in my f- favorite role that I have seen him in yet, which is saying wow. something. Yeah, and it's not even close for me. He is such mm-hmm. a high level of evil and vileness here. Like, I absolutely loved this character and how he works and tortures others. <laughs> like, yeah. like, did you feel the same as me about these characters? Yeah, yeah. Well, Bela Lugosi, man, he just, each new role that he takes on, 
that we see him in mm-hmm. just cements his status as as an all timer. Yes, I mean, I get it. I definitely. Yeah, get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, but you're you were right. Neil is the waste, really, because he's just a blank slate. Which is funny because it's a criticism we've actually had of many universal horror films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like their main character, that husband character, is a blank slate that has no personality. <laughs> um, but, but other than that, I like the characters for their roles that they play. Lugosi is devilish, and his little zombie crew is a mixed bag <laughs> of horrors. Um, now, I mentioned the cinematography earlier, and I want to go back to that for a second. There are two, really three motifs here that I think work well, even if they are pretty simple. You've got hands, eyes, and shadows. The eyes, definitely, we've, we've seen those before. Um, but when it comes to the hands, I love the way that the director Halperin frames hands. Not only do we get that zombie bind of murder, which controls his victim, mm. Bela Lugosi's murder character, which controls his victims, but we get hand holdings, hand graspings, hand shakes, <laughs> with various types of shots and close-ups. There's a personal investment and intimacy in these moments. There's a control when it comes to hands, right? Um, And I think that's what the camera is doing, is emphasizing that control. I also like how Halperin uses shadows, especially that scene with Neil. Uh, Neil is a blank slate for the (laughs) most part. But that scene with Neil after Madeline's death when he's in this, he's just in despair. Is he like right? in that bar shadows, scene? Is that the one? He's at the bar, yeah. the bar scene. The shadows are dancing behind him, right? These couples are yes. dancing behind him as shadows, just tormenting him after the loss of his love. It adds to that sense of madness that we start to feel with him. And it really, the film, as the film progresses, it feels like there are multiple zombies here. And I think Neil's state of grief makes him that third zombie of our zombie <laughs> love triangle. I like that. And I love you pointing out those hands. It's something that as soon as you said it, I was like, you're right. We are staring yep. at hands a lot in this. And mm-hmm. it's to really interesting effects. Like you said, that zombie bind that he does with his hands yeah. when he's like uh, controlling or he's like kind of, uh, yeah, he's issuing control and kind of pushing out the soul, right? Whenever he's doing that, it's, it, yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. But you just think about hands and how how they can be used to manipulate and to control others. And it just makes sense that there is this focus, yeah. even subtly, on hands. Yeah, I love that. I love that. We've said a lot about Lugosi and some of the things we like and even the, the direction and a lot of it. But it doesn't stop there, Eric. The mm-hmm. story flows well. Like you said, this thing is paced really well. Yes, it is a 60-something yeah. minute movie, but we have been through 60-something <laughs> minute movies that feel like two-hour movies. Yeah, we have. We have. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a good way at all. So this one really does flow well, mostly because I think of how vile Lugosi is as a murder legendary or whatever his name is. How do you say that, Eric? Yeah. Legendre? I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I just keep, murder I just want- <laughs> as as a as a first name murder is pretty menacing, <laughs> right? But he doesn't do a lot of murdering. To be fair, he just uh, wipes no. them clean. Anyway, <laughs> so you know when Beaumont wants to let Madeline go after realizing that having the thing he wants but devoid of the thing that makes it special, right? Her soul, her mm-hmm. personality, those are the things he likes. Like he says, it, beauty is not enough. And I really love that moment. 
And then when he confronts Dracula, I mean, uh, murder about this, (laughs) (laughs) there's that really interesting back and forth where he drugs Beaumont. And Beaumont catches it before he's he's ingested too much. But Beaumont says, like, once again, like, a a pinprick. Or what's he say? Just a... just a bit, just a, just a pinprick. Any is enough to like for it to take effect, and it's really cool because as he tells Beaumont later, a drop in the wine. Yes, a drop in the wine. That any of it is enough to control, and as he tells Beaumont later, like you're the first person to know this is happening to you. Yeah, yeah. And it is yeah. a legit horrifying moment when he's just sitting there crafting the a wax Beaumont. While Beaumont just just trying to keep it together, right? That's yeah. a legit like great horror moment that I could see being the excessive thing that maybe critics were talking about back then, right? <laughs> that was it's so unsettling to see him like mm-hmm. that because he toys with them so much and he toys with everybody here. It's not just mm-hmm. Beaumont, and it also it really plays on his love for having these these massive zombies for slave labor. He just loves yes. controlling people. But mm-hmm. so, for example, like when uh, Neil passes out <laughs> in his castle for some reason, he doesn't, he sees him and he doesn't kill him. He makes Madeline go do it. Oh, yeah. Because that's yeah. fun for him. That's what he loves. <laughs> that's what he relishes. Yeah. He didn't need to do that, but he did it because he could, because he is like the mm. ultimate power in his world. It's just so interesting. Like this is one of my favorite villains that I've seen in a while. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, those are great points. He he's fantastic in in the worst sense. (laughs) Uh, Just astounding, and honestly, one of the true evil villains that we've experienced. Mm -hmm. Unlike Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman. We can find no sympathy for the devil. Right. <laughs> uh, a couple more reflections here, Alex, and, and then a quick criticism. One, as the start of our zombie series, what an interesting way to start this series off. Mm. We have voodoo zombies. <laughs> this has some serious Resident Evil vi- 5 vibes oh, for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, despite not being about zombies <laughs> for the most part, right? Like. This is an interesting take on the zombie genre, at least to what we're used to. The zombies here are controlled. Mm. They obey the mind of the master, which I think will be a departure from late zombie later zombies that we'll oh, encounter. Yeah. And th- the other part, they're all victims, Alex. Each one has a story, which I find really interesting. And to go back to what you were saying uh, about murder, the character you could tell like each of these characters, he had a reason. It was like a personal vendetta that he wanted to control these characters. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he, he relishes yes. the fact that this was once my boss. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this guy tried to kill me, but he did it. Right. <laughs> he relishes all of those things. This guy has spoiled the sixth sense for me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah exactly <laughs> each one has a story uh which i just find interesting and you brought it up alex each one is a slave too in both the figurative and then the literal sense that scene where they're doing slave labor mm-hmm. in that mill or that factory is another standout just kind of horrific scene yeah um 
I, I was like, wow, this they're they're going there here. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, very interesting. As for my critique, I would just say that the ending is a bit rushed. Uh, I know you had to feel that too. Mm. Um, but all of a sudden, Neil, <laughs> he gets out of the way uh, from being pushed off the edge of this castle. And then our whole band of zombies falls to the desk <laughs> one after another. It's kind of comical. Yes. Uh, and then I like how Beaumont redeems himself yes. to an extent. And, and yes, like his fate was inevitable. He was always going to have to die after the evil um, that he had committed. But the inevitability of it all, it felt kind of preventable when he was just standing there because then it just seems like he jumps off <laughs> of the castle, right? Yeah. It wasn't like in the struggle they both fell. It was murder fell and then he jumps, which maybe he did. I, I like we don't know, right? Uh, maybe that was maybe that was. Uh, murder's last bit of control as he was falling to his oh, death yeah. <laughs> uh, was to make Beaumont jump. I don't know. <laughs> all in all, though, that's a that's a small complaint and otherwise fantastic surprise and a great start to the oh, series. It really was. It really was. And I am there with you. Actually, so it's weird. I, I don't know if rushed was the word I w- that was coming to mind for me at the finale, mm-hmm. but it might be appropriate. Like, I, I think they were just bad choices. Well, why have all of these zombies file off like lemmings off the edge of this yeah. thing when yeah. you could have just had them released from the spell, just like Madeline you was, could have. right? Oh, yeah. And then yeah. also, it, it just didn't quite work for me. That didn't. And then also, like you said, when Neil fell off, it was so delayed that it was... Almost like I had to explain it like, oh, well, he doesn't have full control of his body. But yeah, I shouldn't right. have to feel that. Like, he should probably just have his he momentum have just take off, take yeah. him over the edge with him instead of that yes. delay or be or be <laughs> yeah. clasped onto. But it also, it doesn't help that when he fell, he like screamed the way he did. It was yeah. kind of weird yeah, because yeah. It, it felt less I know he's not the hero, but it did feel like a less heroic moment for him, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But it just it just felt like it came at odds with what was happening on screen a bit. So yeah, it was but yeah, so yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, NVM Plus today, Alex. We'll talk more about the start of our zombie series here. We might talk about a couple of the films to come. Um, I definitely want to get uh, your take on. Has it been one or two episodes of? What's it called? The Last of Us? Two Alex? episodes. Have you watched any of it? No, okay. but I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. But we'll, I want to get your take uh, on on how it's been going so far. Um, I've got a, a board game that I've been getting into that I want to tell you about. So that's going to be on MVM Plus today. Patreon.com forward slash MVM Pod. It's going to be a good yes, one. Yes, it will. Let's get into eight. And <laughs> we do have that special still going on, right? I was wondering. Yes, we do. We do. Okay, good. We do. Good, good, good. On to our awards. Uh, compelling character award, Alex. Uh, who do you got? I've got <laughs> my compelling character. It goes to Neil, our, our husband. Um, <laughs> I thought he was a blank slate. Oh, he Alex. is. That's what's so compelling. It's like, how have you existed <laughs> this long? How, how How are you both sober and drunk so much? How do you pass out? Inside another man's home, at when you're searching for the woman you love, I, mm. I don't get it. 
and I will get them. But that's what makes him so compelling, Eric. I just want to keep seeking those answers. <laughs> See, I so okay. <laughs> <laughs> to to Neil's credit, yeah, he was drunk, but I also think. I don't know. He makes eye contact with murder and there's that glint in murder's eye. I wonder if there was some hypnotic state that murder put him in uh, that made him fall asleep. See, Um, I didn't, I need, maybe I need to rewatch that moment, but for some reason I thought he never even got around that corner and then murder was mm -hmm. like going upstairs. He's like, Oh, this guy's here resting. Like he heard him, like he heard him wrestling around and then he went up there. But I'm having trouble remembering either, it too, which is bad. Either, either way, <laughs> it's just compelling. It's just compelling. What about you, Eric? Well, I, I'm going to choose a character we haven't mentioned yet, and that's Dr. Bruner, um, who is like the missionary doctor, I guess, um, who is kind of he, – he's a complete side character. He's not a fully fleshed character with a bunch of interesting aspects to him or anything like that. Um He's kind of the comic relief character. You know, in in uh, Neil's despair, he just keeps on asking for a light, yeah. right, for his first pipe. He does that again at the end. But he also comes in handy and kind of saves the day at the end <laughs> um, as he prevents Madeline from killing yeah. her husband um, and is really just there for everybody at the end uh, and say is he's that calm in the midst of the storm. So Dr. Bruner... I don't know how he keeps coming out of nowhere, but he does. So I appreciate him as a character. Yeah, he's he's an interesting little bit bit of flavor that's kind of added here that is appreciated. Like he's no uh, Van Helsing, but he <laughs> no, is like this no. little bit of flavor that I I do appreciate. I'm glad the movie added. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about sure. your most memorable line, Eric? So this is uh, a theme that we haven't quite touched on yet uh but it's beaumont so beaumont he sits down next to zombie madeline at the piano and he tries to give her some jewelry just to make her feel something again and and she feels n- mm-hmm. nothing and he says i thought that beauty alone would satisfy but the soul is gone i can't bear those empty staring eyes and i think this is this is a fascinating idea mm-hmm. here because what we realize about Beaumont is, and we, we realize about desire is it's not about the other person at all. <laughs> what, what you really desire is the other person to desire you back, mm-hmm. right? Like that's really what Beaumont is wanting is he's wanting to be accepted and loved by Madeline. Yet she's not offering that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that is not, it's not beauty alone that he actually wants. What he wants is her soul, which again goes into what murder is trying to do all the time. He wants their souls too <laughs> to control. Um, mm-hmm. But Beaumont wants her soul as well, but he wants her soul's desire, which is really interesting. Uh, and again, just kind of is another layer in this film. Yeah, like like Metallica said, give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Man, this episode is full of metal. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Our second Metallica reference, yeah. and it's called White Zombie. <laughs> and, uh, what about you, Alex? Line. Most memorable line? Uh, 
Yeah, I had a. It was right after they're they're in the carriage, and the coach driver just like zooms off when he sees the people, the zombies approaching. And and Neil asks him like, "Why did you drive like that? You could have killed us." And he says, "Worse than that, Monsieur, we might have been caught." I like that. I, I like that implication in that if they had been caught, it was a fate worse than death. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Also, I thought that coach uh, driver he, might be in yeah. this more because I liked him. <laughs> yeah, oh well, yeah. Well, he comes back and he's playing like the piano later on. <laughs> yes, right? that's right. Um, yeah, coach driver is great. What about can't believe the acting award? I gotta give it to Bella. Like, there, I think there's two options mm-hmm. here, but I gotta give it to Bella. Like, like again, I hyped him up as one of the best villains I've seen in a little while. So I gotta give it to him because he is just so intimidating. He at first he feels like he's just Dracula, but it becomes so 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 much worse in the best ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just really sells every moment. No moment in this film does it feel like he's phoning it in because we, we we've seen these actors phone stuff in before some of their roles. It never feels that way with him. We have. It never feels that way with <laughs> never. I think I've I think we've actually said that before, <laughs> right? Like, you think about a role like Igor, like like he this guy just doesn't exactly. phone it in. <laughs> exactly, he never phones it in. He never phones it in. Uh, yeah, Bella's great. I wonder if your other choice here was Robert yes. Fraser as Charles yes. Beaumont. Uh, so good, like really. You want to talk about just a conflicted um, character? That's who you have in Beaumont who is the film's villain until he's definitely not <laughs> um, until he starts to pale in comparison to Bela Lugosi's character. Yeah. Beaumont, when he does have that realization, when he is struck like two moments of greatness, when he has the realization, the initial realization after he's just take a sip of, after he's just taken that sip of mm-hmm. wine, great moment. Second moment is the scene that you've mentioned, that truly horrifying scene where he realizes there's nothing that he can do. He is completely in another person's hands and is about to die, mm-hmm. right? In a sense, and be controlled forever. And he has that realization. Uh, it's awful. It's it's awful in, in the best sense of the word. Yes. yes. I do wonder, what was the cost that murder told Charles of using the... Uh, mm. potion, I guess, or the, the drug on her. Was it that the cost was her soul and that was what, what made him so upset? Or was it something else? And I don't know. We don't yeah. know what that was. I think it was either her soul or her life. Something mm. along those lines. But yeah. Yeah. We don't know for sure. What about your Oh That's a Good Shot award? Um, mine is there's a shot of murder walking down the stairs and there's the shot through the stone railing at the bottom looking up at him. And it's this, uh, I guess it, I guess the best way to describe it's not cross, but it's it's like a clover pattern almost. Um, and it's aiming through it and looking at him as he descends the stairs. It's just, it's such a good shot. It is a great shot. And I appreciate this. This film knows Mm -hmm. its strengths. Right. It actually uses that <laughs> shot twice. Um, it uses it again mm-hmm. when Madeline does the same thing a little bit later on. Um, Would you but get? yes, the, my shot is also used twice uh, is why I said that, because it's another great shot. 
it's the mausoleum shot where they're putting the coffin into its place and the the, sh- the camera is placed within mm. um, the tomb basically and as the coffin's placed you see um, family on the outside you see I think it's Neil and Dr. Bruner staring in as it's placed in and then you see Beaumont oh no you see Neil and Beaumont as it's placed in and then you see Beaumont and uh, murder as it's taken out. So the shot is used twice, but it's really cool and pretty creepy to see that camera as the coffin's put into mm-hmm. the mausoleum yeah. placement uh, there. It's just a, like you said already, it's a very impressive visual film. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and then you've got just some amazing sets, right? And like just they pulled some of those sets from Universal, obviously. Uh, it's it's great. It's great. What about uh, your unique award. Yeah, I got the, oh, that's actually terrifying award. And that's the moment we've already talked about with Charles Beaumont just losing control uh, yeah. as a murder fashions a little wax doll out to like, set ablaze and like completely remove his soul from his body. It's uh, it's just so good. And I, I didn't expect a movie of this age to have a moment that was like that like terrifying <laughs> like that is a moment of like this is messed up <laughs> and i'm oh, yeah. so glad it's in here mm-hmm. yeah what about you mine is the unique prop award and it goes to the vulture <laughs> <laughs> and whoever does the voiceover for the vulture <laughs> that scream yeah that's probably bella <laughs> 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 probably was <laughs> oh man yeah, yeah I, I don't know that thing was something it, it was like a hawk that they tried to dress up as a vulture yeah it's like <laughs> but then they also use like a vulture prop at one time yeah, they do <laughs> it was so amazing yeah that thing is so odd yeah it could the, the film so could odd. definitely have gone without that <laughs> yeah it could have really but i kind of love that it's there <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, which brings us to our final thoughts in tiered rating. Alex, I'll go ahead and start. Mm. I'm going to say I, I was so surprised at, at this one, honestly. Um, not that I wasn't looking forward to watching it or, or experiencing it or trying something a little bit different, but I have certain expectations. Um, and my expectations were that this would be a more slow-paced film, Um we could appreciate some aspects, but it might not be as entertaining as it turned out to be. I was genuinely entertained by this film, um, by all the aspects that we've mentioned so far. Mm. I will say there are a couple weaknesses. There are a couple acting choices that I haven't mentioned yet that I, I didn't love. Mainly it was Neil, <laughs> but um, I can, I can forgive Neil for that. Um, the ending, yeah, there's some questionable aspects. And overall, there are some weird plot points that don't quite add up. Right? Yeah. So, and our discussion has probably pushed me like almost over the edge here, but I, I don't want to be reactive because of how surprised I was. So, I'm going to say this is a upper tier Gamera film for me. Really strong Ooh. Gamera film and a great start to our series. What do you think, Alex? Uh, for me, this is definitely a Godzilla tier. There's nice. there's no doubt about it for me. From 
visuals to the story to the actually scary moments. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very impressed by this film. Like, the, again, yes, I share with you the weak part that's Neil. And I do think the ending is a little rushed and a little iffy. I, I don't think it's bothering me for some reason as much as it is you, which is <laughs> odd because usually I'm the one that gets hung yeah. up on it. But um, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, honestly, this movie floored me. I'm very impressed with it. I'm yeah. very impressed with it. It's, it's so like, and it's, it's, it's not just a surprise. It's just like everything I got out of it and the stuff that I've thought about after watching it. It, yeah. I don't normally think about my movies a whole lot after I, I, I leave it. Um, but this one, it was just a, such a nice surprise and it, it just had those moments that I mm-hmm. just really enjoyed. And it just made me think about how I would totally recommend this movie to yeah, it, like, really just about anybody. Because first off, it's short runtime, but I think giving people this nice baseline into such an old zombie movie—I mean, this, this one's going to put some of the later ones we watched to shame, probably for sure. There's no doubt. Oh, and no to doubt. see like the no strong doubt. footing that this genre really kind of started with—it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty yeah, cool, it pretty is. impressive. So yeah, definitely a Godzilla tier for me. I, I can see it moving up the ranks. Um, as we watch more movies, as I as I give this time, as I give this movie time to settle, I could see it moving into that tier as well. Um, as I said, I, I was even finding the vulture charming by the end of this thing. So I, I don't know. There's something about this one. I, I do like it a lot, Eric. Um, so I could. Yeah. You gave Ultraman the next camera and this movie camera. Just so you know. I know. I'm just but, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but there are tears. There are tears. I was thinking about our tears, by the way. Yeah. Just a side note before we close this off. I was thinking about our tears. I think Godzilla tier is what you what you said. I I would recommend this movie to just about everybody. For me, a gamma tier is I I would recommend this to some people. It kind of depends. There might be some reservations, but yeah, I I'd, I'd recommend it. And then Gabra tier is yeah I'm not going to recommend this film <laughs> um, it's just not happening so yeah, um, yeah that, that's kind of how I view it mostly with more of a sub- subjectivity at the heart of it but yeah right right and I would definitely um, recommend the ritual to everybody <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean I'm just messing with you <laughs> Uh, next week, Alex, I believe we will watch I Walked with a Zombie. This um, is like such a cool rom-com. I can't wait for us to watch it. Yeah, I Walked with a Zombie. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of a rhyme. Oh, I didn't um, think. Yeah. When we go on a walk with a zombie, will our talk... Uh, Make us cry like a baby? I don't know. Mm, I was thinking about how this talk with a zombie will it make us balk while we watch this zombie stalk. Oh, hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> you you win this week, that's for sure. <laughs> As always, thanks for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback on this film at nvmpod.com or email us at nvmpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram 
at MVM underscore pod. Become a bargain base mite over at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. Receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join at this time, review or share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Kamala Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Subblock B, Louie Loop, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, Instagram Connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't trust a man with a swirly unibrow. <laughs> try, and try to, to stay, stay alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Your eyebrows, people, so you can see. Trustworthy.